And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We're in a series called Faith for Tough Times. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20, John chapter 20, Faith for Tough Times, and we're talking today about learning to walk by faith and not by sight. Learning to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, one of the things that Kathy and I have had to learn to do is to speak and act our faith when we don't feel like it. See, there are times because we've got this thing called flesh. You know, turn, pinch the person. No, don't pinch them. Don't, don't do that. All of us have this thing called flesh. And sometimes our flesh doesn't feel like giving God glory. Sometimes our flesh doesn't doesn't feel like doing the right thing. We don't feel like offering to God the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips giving praise unto his name. And so Kathy and I have had to learn that there will be times and there may be seasons that we don't feel like exercising faith in God. Sometimes it's easier to gripe and complain, amen? But how many of you realize griping and complaining won't get you anywhere? But without faith, it's impossible to please God, not because he's difficult God to please, but because he wants to bless you so much. He wants to minister to you. He wants to bring an abundant life into your life. He wants to help you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to use you and bring more fulfillment than you could ever dream. So he says, I want you to exercise some faith in me. And so what's happened is over the years, I have developed kind of a a checklist that I review periodically to make sure that I'm walking in faith toward God. I ask myself a number of questions. Number one, I ask myself, have I found a promise in God's word for that which I'm believing for? In other words, if I've got a cash flow problem, if I've got a a, a financial problem, I I say, okay, God, what are your promises in your word? And one I can think of now is Philippians 4.19, which says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And so, so I begin, I begin meditating on that word. I begin reading it. I begin speaking it to myself. That's not all I do. Number two, I ask myself, am I living in obedience to what the scriptures teach regarding finances? Because I can quote Philippians 4.19 all day long, but I need to find out what, why did Paul write that to the Philippians and he didn't write it to the Thessalonians? It's because the Philippians were generous people. It's because the Philippians were giving. And Paul said they were actually the church of Macedonia that he references in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They were giving out of their deep poverty and thank God that that he gave them this precious promise well I have to go back and say am I honoring God with my tithe am I honoring God with my finances and I go back to to Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 it says bring all the tithes into the store well let's go to yeah verse 10 well we'll start at verse 8 <laughs> Thank you. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. You know, sometimes we have cash flow problems because we refuse to honor God with our tithe. We refuse to honor God with offerings above the tithe. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. Verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Now watch that. Bring all the tithes where? Into the storehouse. See, the storehouse is the local church. 
The story, it's good to give to orphanages. It's good. Last Sunday, we took up a special offering for Convoy of Hope to help the flooding victims in Louisiana. Thank you for your generosity. It's good to give to Convoy of Hope. It's good to give to missionaries, but they are not the storehouse. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. It's the only time we're told to try God. Try me now, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Folks, don't you want to get God working on your behalf? Don't you want God saying, hey, I know what your cash flow is like. I know what's going on. And because you've worshiped me with a tithe, you brought the tithe to the local church. Because you've got a generous heart and you want to give offerings even or over and above the tithe, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sakes. See, God knows how to keep cars running. God knows how to keep air conditioning systems continuing to work. God knows where the, where the best deals are. You say, well, pastor, I'm believing God for a new house. Well, God knows where the deals are. But he wants us to listen to him and he wants us to obey him. He says, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So, so, so number one, I get a promise that I'm standing on. Number two, I ask myself, am I living in obedience to what the word of God teaches? Number three, then I ask myself, do I believe God's word with my heart and with my spirit? In other words, is the word of God, the promise I'm believing on, is it the conviction of my heart? Or is it simply the hope of my head? Now, this is very important. It needs to be the conviction of our heart because Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty two, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his head. Is that what he said? No, he didn't say shall not doubt in his head. He said shall not doubt in his heart. And that means that I have to meditate on the scripture and I have to speak it aloud and I have to spend enough time with it so it becomes more than just the hope of my head. It becomes the conviction of my heart. And then number four, I've got to ask myself, am I being blown about? Am I considering contradictory circumstances? How many of you know when you start to take a stand of faith, the old devil will come against you? How many of you realize when you start to take a stand of faith, there are circumstances that will raise their ugly head against you and adversarial winds will blow. The rain is going to fall. And am I going to persevere through adversarial circumstances? And then finally, I ask myself, am I praising God for the answer? One of the ways that I'm, I feed my faith is, I, is, is when I've asked God for something, when I'm believing God for a breakthrough in a particular area, I just start praising God. Every time I think of it, I start saying, Jesus, I thank you that the answer is here. I thank you, Lord. I may not see it all together, but I thank you, Lord Jesus, that I have the answer and that you've answered my prayers and you are faithful and you're a good, good father. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. Amen. Now, Smith Wigglesworth, what said, and this is not an exact quote. I couldn't find the exact quote, but, 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 I, but I remember him saying something like this in one of his books. Smith Wigglesworth said, I cannot understand God the Father by my feelings. 
I cannot understand Jesus Christ, his son, by my feelings. He said, I cannot understand the Holy Spirit by my feelings, but I can understand God the Father by the word of God. I can understand Jesus Christ, his son, by the word of God. I can understand the Holy Spirit by the word of God. Now, here's the problem. Many, many Christians try to get to know God by their feelings. When we feel good, we say, yes, my prayers are answered. Hallelujah. And when we feel down, well, I'm not so sure that God heard my prayer. Folks, the problem is that we're basing our faith on our emotions. We're basing our faith on our feelings and not on the Word of God. See, that's what a man named Thomas did. Look at John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. Thomas had, a, obviously, I guess a twin brother who was not a disciple. Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. This is, this is talking about after Jesus has been raised from the dead. See, Thomas saw Jesus nailed to the cross. He saw Jesus die, but he has not seen Jesus in his resurrected state. The other disciples all saw him. They said, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas says, he said, said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. Now watch verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, Thomas based his faith on his feelings, on his natural understanding. Thomas said, hey, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, unless I put my fingers there, unless I see his side where the sword pierced him, unless I put my fingers there. Folks, there are a lot of Christians that are like Thomas today. We only really believe what we can see and what we can touch and what we can taste and what we can hear and what we can smell. Dear, dear ones, so many times we're confined by our five physical senses, but faith in God, real faith in God is faith in his word. And the word of God is true whether I feel it or not feelings not going to sing that one for you thank God we've got feelings thank God that he himself has emotions Zephaniah says the Lord is rejoicing over you and dancing and singing over you this morning hallelujah isn't that good to know and God has given us emotions 
And I believe that before Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, the emotions that they had were the best emotions in the world. But as soon as they sinned, the first emotion they express is the emotion of fear. They hear the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And, and, and Adam says, we were naked, so we hid ourselves. And God, like God didn't know they were naked. I mean, they've been naked ever since he made them. And suddenly, they've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They've, they've eaten from the wrong tree, and, and, and suddenly they say, we were afraid. Well, folks, sin will make you afraid. I said sin will, will make you afraid. See, faith in God is nothing more than faith in his word, and it's true whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. Everybody look at me. I thank God that we can feel the Holy Spirit. I thank God that we can sense his presence. I thank God that we can rejoice in his presence. I thank God for the sweet anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. I thank God that that, that his Shekinah glory is something that can be felt and not only telt. Hallelujah. But dear ones, as you and I walk through this world, there's going to be days that you're not going to feel like a Christian. There will be days that you won't feel like offering the sacrifice of praise. Do you know, there are days that, 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 that let, let me put it this way. When I, when I preach and when I pray for people, I often feel the glory of God. I can feel the power and the presence and the anointing of the Spirit. And that is a wonderful, wonderful feeling. But there are times that I will preach and I will pray for people. And I've seen people gloriously healed, and, and I've seen God baptize folks in the Holy Spirit, and them rejoicing and feeling, and I'm thinking, I wish I felt what you felt. Because I just, I just feel like a, a doorknob right now. And, and, and folks, Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is def- desperately wicked. Who can know it? In other words, see, your emotions are going to come and go. You can't live high all the time. See, people that, that, that get into to drug abuse and alcohol abuse, see, they're trying to dead negative emotions, and they just want to have the, the positive emotions. Dear ones, our emotions make great servants, but they make horrible masters. And our emotions were never meant to ruin our lives. And, and God is true whether I'm feeling like the Word of God is true or not. I remember... One morning I was driving to our office up in, when I was pastoring in, in the Chicago area, and as, as I drove to the office, I just had this impression down in my heart, don't pull into the office, keep driving, and go over to Lake Forest Hospital and pray for a man. His daughter was a member of our congregation. I'd never met him before. He was given, been given three weeks to live. He was dying of leukemia. I went over to Lake Forest Hospital. Now, it's, 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 it's early morning, you know, and I'm thinking, well, that's when doctors make their rounds. I'm not so sure that I'm going to be able to, to, to be with them one-on-one. But I just, I was obeying what I felt like was the Holy Spirit. And so I walked into the hospital, walked in the room. There was a man and his wife. I introduced myself, and I says, I've come to anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith for you. Now, folks, I did not feel any Shekinah glory. I did not, I didn't have goosebumps running up and down my spine. 
but I anointed him with oil. I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I rebuke this foul, afflicting, tormenting leukemia. I rebuke every demon behind this disease. I command this blood to be purified. I speak healing and wholeness from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. You foul, afflicting, tormenting demons. You loose this man and you let him go. We said, amen. They thanked me for coming. I walked out. That afternoon, his daughter called me and said, Pastor, did you go pray for my dad this morning? I said, I sure did. She says, Pastor, I got to tell you, they just are amazed because he's feeling better and he's wanting to eat. And so they drew some blood and they can't find the sickness anymore. Do you know that they kept that man for two more days in that hospital just doing tests because they were just convinced they were just convinced that he had leukemia. And so they ended up telling say, well, we guess our diagnosis was wrong. I really don't care. I'm just glad the man got healed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, if I had gone by my feelings, I would never have gotten out of my car and walked in that, in that hospital. I was going by faith in God's word that faithful as he that has called me, who will also be, will also bring it to pass. I was going by faith that believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I was simply obeying the Lord. I didn't have any goosebumps. Folks, let me tell you something. We've got to learn to live by the promises of God's word. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, he himself says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That means in the middle of the night when you can't sleep, when nothing's going right, when fear's trying to knock at your door, you can have faith to answer it and say, you know what? God is with me. He says, I will, he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. Folks, the last words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he says, lo, I am with you some of the time. Lo, I am with you when you're feeling good. Lo, I'm with you when life is having fun. He says, lo, I am with you always. Come on, say it with me. Lo, I am with you always. Turn to somebody and tell them, said he is with you always. John chapter 14, verse 16. John 14, verse 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Ever. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper. That word helper in the Greek is paraclete. It's got a sevenfold meaning. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you a counselor. I will pray the Father, and he will give you an advocate. He will give you an intercessor. He'll give you a strengthener. He'll give you a standby. Everybody look at me. First John 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, It's to your benefit that I'm going away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, cannot come. Because if Jesus had stayed on this earth... How many of you have ever thought, well, I sure wish I could, I had been around when Jesus was walking the earth. Come on, let me see your hands. 
You thought, that might be pretty cool. Let me tell you something. Jesus was not omnipresent when he was here on this earth. He could only be one place at one time. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is in you and me, and the Holy Spirit is in other people in this town, and the Holy Spirit is in other people around the world. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere at all the time, and you have inside you the greater one. You have inside you the counselor. Do you ever need counsel? Do you ever need help? Do you ever think, Lord, I don't know what to do about this? You've got a built-in counselor on the inside of you. And if you and I could just learn to stop and say, Lord, I realize I'm feeling kind of grungy right now. But I thank you that the Holy Spirit is inside me. And I thank you that the greater one's inside me. And I thank you that I've got a counselor down deep inside me. Holy Spirit, counsel me now. How do I handle this situation? What do I do? You've got a built-in helper on the inside of you. He's your refuge and strength, a very present help. You know, school has started. You teenagers, when you need help, maybe getting ready to take a test. It helps to study, I'll say that. But I know that you're all very good students. So after you've studied, after you've prepared yourself, man, you sharpen that number two pencil or you're sitting at a computer terminal, whatever you're doing, however you're taking the test, you just say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're my helper. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are at work. You don't know quite what to do. I got this assignment. I don't know how to do this. And I'm just not sure. You just need to say, look up to heaven and say, thank you that I've got the helper inside of me. Thank you that I got the helper that's at work in my life. Folks, you've got an advocate inside you. You've got an intercessor. You may not know how to pray like you should, but the Holy Ghost will pray through you with groanings too deep for words. Can you say hallelujah? Folks, you've got a strengthener inside you. You say, I just need some strength. Well, he'll give you strength. Hallelujah. He, you've got to stand by inside you. The Holy Spirit is inside you just standing by to help you. Folks, you don't want to get to heaven one day and stand at the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus ask, um, um, I'm glad to see you. Glad you put your faith in me. Why didn't you rely on the Holy Spirit? Why didn't you stand on my word? Why didn't you believe my word? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. See, see, folks, I, I think there's a major problem, and that's that so many of us, we try to contact God with our emotions. We try to contact God with our mind. We, we, we try to contact God physically. You know, we, we, well, I don't feel God right now, so I'm just going to get real emotional and jump around. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting emotional and jumping around. I like to do that. But that doesn't necessarily bring the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you've just had a good emotional time. Just get quiet and say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in me. I thank you that you've got answers that I don't know. And I'm just going to wait in your presence. And I'm going to hear the voice of the Lord. I'm going to know what to do. See, Numbers says that God is not a man that he can lie. He's not a physical being. He is spirit. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He's a divine personality. And you cannot contact God with your mind, your will, or your emotions. You you contact God with your spirit man, with that part of you that's born again with that part of you that's changed when you come to Christ. See, you become a new creature in Christ. He comes to live inside you. 
And that's the part of you that's relating to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, just, just, just so many people have a hard time believing in stuff they can't see. And you know, how many of you believe that, that cellular phone service is real? Let me just see your hands. How many of you have ever seen a cellular signal? You may have seen a tower, but have you ever seen a signal? And yet this room is filled with signals right now. Folks, the world is full of stuff that we can't see. How many of you have ever seen electricity? You may have seen lightning, but how many of you have seen electricity? Is there anybody here that does not believe in electricity? Is there anybody that would take a, a wire coat hanger and go put it in that outlet over there? I'm, I'm, you, you're going to see, you're going to feel some electricity. Don't do that, okay? Don't, 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 don't go say, Pastor told me to do this. Don't do it. You know, many years ago, I, I was suffering with a horrible, a terrible ingrown toenail. It was so bad that my foot was just bleeding and it was, it, my foot had gotten swollen from it. And if I'd been at home, I'd gone to a doctor and had him cut it out. But I was in Los Angeles, California at the World Conference of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship. And, and I was out there representing Regent University and CBN. And I was standing behind a booth like 12 hours a day. And back then I was wearing wingtip shoes and they were uncomfortable. And, and I remember this night service, I was tempted. I was in so much pain. I was tempted to miss the service. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. And so I got in late to the service. And so we're in the Orange County Convention Center in Anaheim, California. And there are just, I don't know if there's 10,000 or 12,000. There's a lot of people there. And I'm at the back and the speaker looks about this big to me. And, and, and so I'm rejoicing in the Lord, and I'm just, I started saying, Lord, I thank you for healing me. And the speaker that night starting, started having words of knowledge. And there are a lot of people up front who are on stretchers and in wheelchairs, and I just got excited. I thought, oh, wow, Lord, this is going to be great. I'm sure that some of those people that are on stretchers are going to be healed, and some of those people in wheelchairs are going to be healed. And he was sharing words of knowledge, and people all over the arena were being healed. And then he says, somebody is being healed of an ingrown toenail. And my first thought was, well, that's kind of insignificant. I forgot that I had the, the bad foot. He said it again because nobody responded. He says, somebody is being healed of an ingrown toenail. And it's severe. I sat down so quick, I jerked off my shoe and my sock. And I looked, and where my foot had been my, my toes had been bleeding it was like God had, had brought in new little baby skin over my toes I no longer was in pain I no longer had the problem the third time he said who is that man I jumped up like a cracker jack man I I said it's me it's me it's me and he says way in the back we see that man hallelujah hallelujah folks look at me I did not feel a thing I didn't have Holy Ghost goosebumps. Some of us have been conditioned that if we're going to experience God, that we've got to be, you know, you've got to be walking on the back of the chairs and, 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 and just, just, just really having a wild emotional time. And that's not true. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Folks, when you begin re 
when you receive Jesus Christ, you don't receive a new body. You become nude in here, down in your spirit. And now, now hear this next thing I'm going to share with you. Please get this. The way you receive healing, the way you receive your miracle is the same way that you received Christ when you were born again and became a follower of Jesus Christ. Folks, in order to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that I have to believe in my heart that God has raised Christ from the dead, and I have to confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I begin calling on the name of the Lord, and I say, Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I repent. I turn away from my sin. I thank you for changing me from the inside out because I believed in my heart, and I'm confessing with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm calling on you, Lord, and guess what? You get born again that way. That's how the Holy Spirit regenerates your heart. That's where he regenerates your spirit. But here's the deal. When somebody gives their heart to the Lord, you can't look at them and tell what they're going through. When somebody gives their heart to the Lord, you can't see the heart. In fact, 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says that, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So you can't really see. Now, I've been in this pastoring thing for a long time, and I, I, I've noticed that there are some people who will respond to an altar call to give their hearts to the Lord, and they will pray, and they will weep, and they will get very emotional. They'll go around hugging everybody, but then you never see them again. And, of course, what happened in their heart is between them and God, you really can't tell. But there are other people I've noticed over the years that'll respond and you'll pray with them. And they're just, they'll stand still like a wooden Indian. And it's like, you wonder, are they really receiving anything? And yet some of those people pray to receive Christ and they become the most outstanding Christians you've ever known, you've ever seen. Folks, I believe in feeling. I thank God that we can feel and experience the presence of the Lord. Uh, I love to weep. I love to tremble under the anointing of the Spirit. But folks, I have learned in my own life, I have to put my feelings last. Here's what I have to do. I have to put the Word of God first. And I have to put faith in God's Word first. And then I put my feelings last. Here's the problem. Some people put their feelings toward God first, and then they place faith in their feelings. Well, I saw you got prayed for today. Did anything happen? No, I didn't feel anything. That's putting faith in your feelings. See, see, I'm going to tell you something. Obedience to God's word works whether we feel anything or not. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. You don't want to put your feelings first and then faith in your feelings second and the Word of God last. You want to put the Word of God first and faith in God's Word first and your feelings last because forever, O oh Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. So let me just give you real quickly just a checklist, a way to check yourself, to ask yourself, am I standing in faith? 
toward God? Am I moving in faith? Here, number one, find a promise in God's word related to what you're asking God for. If you need physical stamina, if you need strength, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Psalms 27 says, the Lord's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 41 says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's actually Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You grab that promise from God's word. You begin reading it. You begin praying it. You begin believing it. And then number two, you examine your life. Is my life lined up with God's word? Number three, what do you do? You meditate on God's promise so it becomes the conviction of your heart. I once heard the story of of a man who God was using in a great healing ministry. And his wife contacted him and said that one of their children was very, very sick. And this man's in another part of the country preaching, holding services, and his child is sick. Now, I would have thought that immediately he would start praying. But this man said he took several days to look at healing scriptures and to make sure that those scriptures were the conviction of his heart and not just the hope of his head. And he said after he had meditated and prayed and made sure those scriptures ran his heart, then he called his daughter and he prayed with her and God healed her. Number four, believe God's word and affirm it with your mouth. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Number five, do not consider contradictory circumstances. Folks, we all live in a world where the adversarial winds are going to blow against you and the rains are going to fall and circumstances will, you know, the old devil will say and your flesh will say, see there, it didn't do any good. God's not going to come through for you. You're going to have to learn to stand. I love that song that Josh leads us in called, uh, uh, I'm Standing. I'm Standing. It's a great song. Hallelujah. You've got to learn to stand and then also start praising. This is the last point. Start Start praising God for the answer. Just in fact, let's do that right now. Let's just just make this a laboratory. Some of you, you're standing in faith right now, believing God. Just thank God for the answer to your prayer. Come on, just, Lord, I thank you for the answer to my prayer. God, I thank you for the answer to my, for my prayer. Lord God, I speak into mountains today. I'm telling them to be moved and be cast into the heart of the sea. And Lord God, I praise you and I thank you for my answer to prayer. I praise you and I thank you, Lord. Lord God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask my daughter Terry to, to join me up here if she will. And um, yesterday I asked Terry if she'd be willing to, to share just a bit. You know, while we were living in Chicago, North Shore of Chicago. We decided the girls were going to go to attend Emmanuel College in North Georgia, 800 miles away. And so Terry, being the oldest, she enrolled at Emmanuel College as a freshman. And then her sophomore year, her sister, Catherine, joined her because they're just a year apart, 18 months apart, but a year apart grade-wise. And during Terry's sophomore year, Catherine began calling Kathy and I and said, Terry's not doing well, Mom and Dad. She's suffering. 
And we would say, in what way? And Catherine would say, well, I'm not altogether sure, but I'm not sure she's eating like she should. And the calls became more regular. And I remember one Sunday after church at North Shore, I got in the car and right after church, I hit the road and I drove those 800 miles without stopping. And I spent the next two days with Terry and some with Catherine and uh, still just trying to figure out what in the world is going on. I came back the next month. It wasn't any better. And so Kathy got in a plane and flew down and spent time with her. And what we discovered is that Terry had an eating disorder. And we didn't know anything about bulimia and anorexia and that kind of thing. We were 800 miles away. Our hearts are breaking. But we began to stand on Isaiah 53 that says Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him and by his stripes we're healed. We began to stand on 1 Peter 2.24 that says by his stripes we were, past tense, healed. And we began thanking God for healing Terry. Her mind, her will, her emotions, her self-image, all that she was going through. When Kathy went down, she got Terry into, into a eating disorders counseling clinic in Watkinsville, Georgia, which is close to Athens. And so we knew Terry was in this, and uh, yet we weren't seeing any changes. And uh, she, I think it was between your junior and senior years, she, uh, she came back up to Illinois, and uh, we were desperate. And we're believing God. And we're fasting and praying for her. We're believing God. And so we enrolled her in the Minrith Meyer Clinic in Wheaton, Illinois. And Terry, I'll let you take it from there if you will. Just Sure. Um, yeah, I, uh, I spent um, about a month in the, uh, in, the, in the clinic there. And um, I was able to just sit under, under those counselors and, and sit under the Word of God. And, um, you know, you had some decisions to make. It was, it was a mental battle that I was walking through. Um, I was believing the lies of the enemy. I was believing that I wasn't beautiful enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I'm not athletic enough. I'm not good enough. All those enoughs uh, that, that we can sometimes tell ourselves. And it was like a, uh, a tape player would keep replaying in my mind with all of my, um, everything about me that, that, that was wrong and, um, you know, to the point of, should I live? Is it worth it? Um, and it was like constant, a constant battle in my mind. And so when I got to the clinic there, um, I sat under the word. And uh, they poured in the promises of God and um, gave me the tools and the handles I really needed. And that was a, a, a year, a season in my life where I really transitioned um, in the eating disorder and really started to walk out. Um, who I am in Christ, really started to believe what the Word had to say, His promises, uh, my identity, finding it in the Lord Jesus Christ and not in my surroundings or in other people. The fear of man was really, really big for me. I, I, I feared others. I, I feared what they would think of me. You know, sometimes uh, you might be in a crowd of people and you, and, and you might look at somebody over there talking and you think that they're talking about you when in fact they're not even thinking about you. 
but sometimes our mind plays tricks on it on us and the enemy loves to have a playground right here in our minds and so i really learned when i was in my early 20s how to take the word and do exactly what pastor is sharing here today because if i had gone by my feelings (laughs) i don't know where i would be today i really don't i don't know um i keep moving back yes you do so i've done this enough i should know um But if I had gone by my feelings, I don't know where I would be. But what I had to do was get up every single morning and take the scripture that says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And even though I didn't feel free, even though those mental thoughts wanted to come and assail me, even though I still went into the restroom and and, and threw up, even though I was walking that out, I still had to learn to take the scripture and say, I, Terry, Todd, am free today. I am free For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I would go around and instead of playing those mental tapes of you're not pretty enough, you're not good enough, why don't you just end your life? I started playing the tape of God's word that said, I, Terry Todd, have a sound mind, regardless if I feel it or not. And guys, I had to do that for years. For years, every single day, it was a battle. But my God, hallelujah, he, he, hallelujah, he healed me, he restored me. I can say in my early 20s, I finally, I woke up one day and I can remember I woke up and it was like, huh, I don't, I don't think about that anymore. That isn't, that isn't, that isn't who I am. I'm a daughter of the Most High. My identity is rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. And when those thoughts would try to come back, I'd say, Hallelujah, Satan, you get behind me. Hallelujah, I am free, I am free, I am free. So I just, you know, I don't know, Pastor, what else you want me to share. No, I, that's, you did I'll a stop great job. Right there. Amen. Okay. You're set free. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.